Assalamu alaikum rahmatullah. This is Rami Kawas, the Executive Director of Oak Tree Institute. I wanted to invite our podcast listeners to the Servant Leaders Facebook group, an exclusive group we made for community leaders and organizers across the country, where they can get value from personal development for their own well-being to tips and strategies on how to better improve their organizational skills and take their organizations to the next level. This series that you're listening to now will be a part of the many things that we're doing in that group. You can find the link to join the group in the show notes. I can't wait to see you inside the group. Okay, so I go everybody. Um, I'll get started. I hope everybody's doing well. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, al-salatsama rasulullah, nashadu Allah, ilaha illallah, nashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. Uh, begin by praising Allah the most high, the most exalted, the most honorable. Uh, we testify to his oneness and greatness and testify to the prophethood uh, of his most beloved Muhammad Sallallahu uh, I hope everybody's doing well. Assalamu alaikum everybody on um, the Servant Leaders Facebook group um, and, and anybody that's joining through Zoom. Alhamdulillah, we have a uh, one person joining through Zoom, Zakhlakhir, for joining. Um, I'm very excited to, to be launching the series and starting this program uh, with you all every week of Ramadan, every Tuesday. Um, this has been, uh, first and foremost, um, we want to thank everybody for joining the group again. Um, you know, we, 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 we've, uh, as I mentioned, probably in the, in the first video you saw when you came in, is uh, we really wanted, we were excited about the idea of launching this in Ramadan to create a community uh, of leaders and um, organizers from across the country. Uh, Alhamdulillah, we've been blessed as Oak Tree to really work and train and, and, and um, consult and help and advise so many different organizations, uh, probably over 300 in the past three or four years. Um, and what we wanted to do again was kind of, you know, cut through the noise. Uh, I know there's a lot going on on Facebook and Instagram and all over the place, but uh, we wanted to create a community feel uh, for all of you who are at a different level. And I think, you know, having been a, a community uh, in the community for a long time, working in the community and, and being very involved for, for many years, uh, I know a lot of times we're looking for something for us that's different than just what's out there. And a lot of times we're always serving people, we're always doing things for people, we're always working for people, and we never have something, particularly in Ramadan, that's exclusive to us as uh, community leaders, organizers, uh, nonprofit leaders, institutional leaders. Um, so that's the intent and the idea behind this group, inshallah ta'ala, and this program. Um, so uh, one of the things we hope and pray, inshallah, that we can do uh, is that kind of build that atmosphere, that, that, uh, that vibe. Uh, the second thing, of course, all of you know Oak Tree Institute and our focus and our expertise, uh, you know, really what we try to train on is anything in the leadership development, organizational development realm, right? A lot of topics around how to manage teams and how to plan and how to build camaraderie and how to deal with difficulties and how to problem solve and you know, all these different leadership, essential leadership skills, nonprofit leadership skills. Um, what we wanted to do in Ramadan also is a little bit different. Uh, it's a bit of a more spiritual, personal development uh, kind of spin to it. Uh, this program for sure will be, uh, and I'm excited to launch it, will be a little bit more focused on uh, lessons that we as community leaders can extract from the life of the Prophet ﷺ. Things that really uh, maybe we learn about and maybe generally we, you know, you see in a halaqa or in a lecture, whatever it might be, a regular program. But really there are really key lessons because the life of the Prophet ﷺ, it's not everything to everybody. 
uh, the Prophet was an amazing role model, and he's our leader, and he's our he's the one that we follow in everything. Uh, but there are lessons that are very particular from a leadership perspective or an organizing perspective that really it's it's a little bit you know any you know any uh, uh, you know average I don't want to say average maybe that's not the best word but uh, any Muslim you know they can benefit from lessons from the life of Prophet but some are just really important for a different branch. Of course, the Prophet had many dimensions to his life, right? He was a father. He was uh, a neighbor. He was uh, a, 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 a religious authority. But what we want to extract are the, the leadership lessons of the Prophet and those around him, by the way, uh, particularly those that held leadership roles around him, those that were essential as a part of the organizing and um, the, the, um, the, if you will, the, the kind of the organizational work that the Prophet did at his time. We want to extract those lessons uh, and we want to be able to impact and benefit from them, inshallah ta'ala. So uh, that's our flavor for this month, um, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, also, of course, at the end, I'll speak about the program that's going on uh, every, it's going on every Thursday with Brother Tariq Murad, our other instructor from Oak Street Institute. And I'll explain a little bit about what he'll be covering, but again, kind of on that personal development side. So uh, this program, again, and this group is meant to uh, help our community leaders be a source of education, of guidance, of support, of development for us as community leaders, uh, and Chao Ta'ala building a unique community around that, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, I'll begin, and of course, so before we start kind of the logistics of this, so I, I have my, uh, I have the, the Facebook group open, and we're on Zoom. Uh, if, if people want to participate on Zoom, you know, it's always a little bit better because it's easier for me to see the chat, for me to engage with you. Uh, but definitely, if you're just watching off Facebook Live off the group, that's that's perfectly okay as well. Um, what I'm going to try to do is every now and then I'll look down at the group and, and see if there's any comments or questions being uh, said or anything. So I, I'd love to hear from you all uh, throughout the program, if you have any reflections or thoughts. And I'll have some times where I want to ask certain questions. Uh, so, uh, we want to take four scenes or four, um, four really important parts of the life of the Prophet there, there are many important parts, but we want to take four that uh, are relevant to the Ramadan context, but are also really important as community leaders, as organizers. Really, we can extract lots of lessons from it. Uh, and the scene that I wanted to choose for today is actually probably the reason why Ramadan is important and special. Uh, it's the, the, the time of the life of the Prophet when revelation began when he was first anointed as not just the community leader, but the leader uh, 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 of essentially the world, guiding people to Allah Azza wa Jal, the last prophet sent to humanity until the end of time, uh, the final message to all of humanity, right? That last leader that Allah Azza wa would choose from amongst all of his servants and all of his prophets uh, to be the inspiration and guidance for all of humanity until the end of time. Uh, that's a very important time in the life of the Prophet Now I wanted to reflect on that, definitely storytell it, uh, but also take some time to extract some important lessons. And so, of course, we know that the Prophet was around the age of 40 years old when revelation began. And uh, of course, there's a strong semblance to Ramadan because Ramadan is special because of this revelation, because of the time, uh, the, the, the blessing that Allah allowed us to have the beginning or the initiation of guidance. And by the way, this story goes back all the way to Adam alayhi salam. You know, revelation and guidance began with Adam. 
when Allah says, فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدَى Oh, when Allah eventually told our father, by the way, the Khalifa, the governor that Allah put on earth uh, and his wife, you know, they, they were instructed to be the caretakers of the earth, the governors over the earth. When Allah decided to bring Adam down because of the things that happened, and we'll talk about that inshallah another time in maybe more detail, but Allah eventually decided Adam made a mistake, he repented, but he had to go down to earth. When he, when he was told to go down, Allah Azza told him, when I send you guidance, when I send, when I, when you or humans are on earth, when I send you guidance, so follow, when you follow that guidance, they won't have any fear inflict them and they won't have any grief or sadness. And of course, this is a kind of at a, at a very macro level. They won't live in this state of fear and despair like emptiness or uh, no purpose, no meaning, worried about the future, worried about death, worried about what happens. They won't be in that fear. So essentially Allah would give us the best in this life and the best in the next life if we follow this guidance, right? So revelation and many, many, uh, of course, Islamic scholars talk about all of the books of revelation came down in the month of Ramadan, every single one of them. So every time Allah sends this message to humanity, it comes in this month. So this month is very special for that. But particularly this last revelation, right? This last one that would come to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu So this was, this was the last one. And of course, what the story uh, goes is that the Prophet Sallallahu he used to do something very unique early on before revelation started. And I think it's where we get our first lesson for community leaders and uh, people that are dedicated to the cause of working for their nonprofit organizations or, or for the sake of others, for a greater cause or a greater goal or a greater mission. Uh, the first lesson is that the Prophet ﷺ began to cut things off in his life uh, before revelation began, before he got the revelation started, the Quran came to him. And the, just to be clear, the Prophet ﷺ at that time, you know, again, he's in his, you know, middle of, middle of the age of his life, or again, around 40 years old. He has several children, of course. The Prophet ﷺ, as many of you know, he was essentially the CEO of Khadija's company. Uh, Khadija had a, a vast company of, uh, uh, of business of buying and selling, barter and trade, of course, as y'all know. Um, at that time, you know, they used to send out uh, fleets or caravans to um, Arabia, uh, throughout Arabia and to uh, the areas of Syria and other places where they would sell. And, that, you know, that, that, that business mentality, if you will, the, uh, the Prophet, Salaam, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi was essentially the CEO. She was the chairman of the board, if you will. I, I like to uh, use uh, th those kind of terms because Khadija was her business and she she hired Muhammad and obviously they got married. Uh, may Allah be pleased with both of them. The Prophet began to cut things off. He was very busy. He has all the things that me and you have, right? Busy with uh, involvement in the community, busy with business, busy with kids, busy, busy you know, that busy life. But the Prophet started to, and I use the word cut off and I'll, I'll explain it, but it's kind of just to get the message across. He started to detach or cut things off. And particularly the Prophet the, the highlight of that moment of his life was that he began to fall in love with seclusion, being detached, being isolated. Now, uh, and again, I know all these terms, they, they, I have to put them in a relevant context, but it's, it's important to understand that the Prophet began to love the idea of being detached from things. Now, what was he detaching himself from? 
So first the story goes is that the Prophet would go all the way to cave, the cave of Hira, right? Which is on the mountain of Nur. And if you have been to Mecca, you understand this is really far from Mecca. So it's really far from the Kaaba, right? It's a, it's a very long walk, uh, about an hour or more to get to the top of the mountain. So the Prophet is really kind of finding a place of seclusion for him that's really far away. The second thing is that he's, he's um, kind of intentionally taking the time to cut off the noise. So in your busy day-to-day life, right? And especially in our world, like think about it. Every notification you have, every obligation that you have, every, every, uh, every, th- every morning when you wake up, you have to do certain things, right? There's so many things in our life that are obligations we have to do. Let alone all the noise that comes in, all the, all the calls and text messages and, ob- and people that want to talk to us and things that we have to do and tasks, to-do tasks. There's so much. So if you were to just take time and just cut it all off, just you, you, you stop it all, all the noise is turned off. What would you find? And this is not meant to do this, you know, the idea is not to do this all the time or not to, you know, kind of be, uh, you know, be in isolation all the time. It's not the, to be cut off. It's not the goal of this, right? The lesson is that sometimes you got to turn off the noise to be able to find clarity, to be able to find mission, purpose, meaning, uh, to find yourself, to be mindful of where you are and where you want to go and what you want to do. And I cannot stress how important this is to every single one of us, particularly people that are busy. You know, I'm busy. I'm really busy. The, the idea of finding time off to uh, self-reflect, to f- be mindful, to be in tune with yourself, to reconnect with purpose, to reconnect with where you're going in your life, to reconnect with vision is super important. Now, it's not just that, and it's not just important at an individual level. It's also important like at a communal level. So if you think about it, the Prophet would walk about an hour, an hour and a half up a mountain, very long, you know, tiresome walk by himself, go all the way up to a mountain and sit there. Now, the mountain, as you know, is staring at the community. So it's staring at his town. It's staring at the Kaaba. It's staring. He sees the horizon in front of him. Of course, it's also, it's also an awe-inspiring thing that he's looking at right? He's really taking the time to also reflect on everything around the world around him. And this is also really important for community leaders, for organizers to take the time to connect or disconnect from all of the normal bustle, hustle and bustle of the day to think about things with a clearer mind. Like, look, I'm looking at my community. I'm looking at the world around me. I'm looking at, you know, people coming in and people coming out. Am I able to detach myself in a way where I can be more mindful? Am I able to detach myself in a way that I can find uh, a, more of a, a calling? Like, what's going on? What is really happening here? And I, and I, and I say this, and I guess I, I want to give some practical ways that we can do this. Um, and I think it's really important for us, especially in the month of Ramadan, right, that you know, we, we, especially with a quarantine going on and a pandemic going on, and maybe, we, maybe we've been isolated for too long, but maybe there's some, some good to this, that we reflect and we think about how can this time, when I come out of this quarantine, when we go back to our messages and community centers and our jobs and our waking up in the morning and taking our kids to school and going to school or all our obligations, and, you know, when we go back to all of those things, 
you know, what will I have gotten out of this time, this kind of isolation time, this detachment time? What will I have benefited from? What will I have reconnected to? Especially, you know, combine that with Ramadan, and it's an amazing time to reconnect with yourself. And I, and again, you know, this is the, the Allah will eventually make this man the leader of humanity and get the biggest kind of mission that any human would be burdened with in all of human history, essentially. But the Prophet still was, you know, that preparation beforehand of learning to cut things off, learning to be mindful, learning to be more self-aware, reflecting on yourself. Where are you in life? What, where, what are you doing? Uh, where are you going? What are your goals? What are your dreams? What do you want from yourself? What, how, are you aware of what's going on with yourself? On top of that, are you able to detach, right? And especially in Ramadan, I think these are some practical things. Like, uh, you know, we're not supposed to isolate ourselves like that anymore, right? That's not something the Prophet would do eventually after he gets revelation. But do we detach? How are we detaching ourselves strategically this month? What are we detaching ourselves from? I, I, I'll give you some personal reflections for myself, but you know, all of the movies and shows, have we detached ourselves from them? All of the notifications that are coming in, the obsessiveness with you know, social media and the notifications and the bombardment of Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and Facebook and WhatsApp and emails and you know, uh, CNN is giving this alert and that alert and this sports thing is going on and that, you know, all of these alerts, are we able to detach ourselves from them? to find clarity, to find, to cut off the noise? Um, are we able to detach ourselves from certain groups? Um, maybe leaving certain groups, maybe there are WhatsApp groups. I know, you know, maybe there are WhatsApp groups in the month of Ramadan. Maybe there are actually, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I ask you to reflect on this. Have you detached yourself from people that they were around you, they were influencing you tremendously, but you haven't been around them for about a month and a half? And they're not really influencing you as much. Is that a good or bad thing? Now, maybe that's a bad thing because they were really good people and you want to be around them. But maybe that was a good thing. You were able to get yourself out of a toxic environment or kind of toxic groups or people that are always influencing you, but they're in, a, in, in not, the best, not the best of ways. Have you found new groups, new places where that, that noise is coming in from? I think these are really important kind of reflections, right? The, the life of the Prophet before Revelation, you know, this, this time period is like such an essential lesson for us, particularly in a quarantine, particularly in the month of Ramadan, that we can cut out the noise, that we can find and detach from certain things. And by the way, even the Prophet at that time, detaching himself from food, right? All the extravagance of food. He wasn't at home, you know, taking on, I know all of us are home, you know, we eat all this stuff, especially in Ramadan, like iftar time is like, this momentous occasion. It's like this celebration, ah, right? It's the this kind of climax, if you will. But the, have we even detached ourselves from certain luxuries that we've had that we do intentionally to do it for the sake of growth, to do it for the sake of like, hey, I'm gonna get stronger and better from this. I, I do this every Ramadan, I share with you, uh, just as a given example, but I, I, every Ramadan I cut off coffee. I cut off sweets, processed foods, uh, 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 sugary, item. definitely no sugar that's like processed sugar or, you know, kind of any type of sugar. So I kind of intentionally have a plan to cut certain things off. 
And you know, it's, it's you're fasting, it's a little bit easier, but I think the lesson is of cutting and detaching things off is like, you teach yourself that you're not in need of anything. You're not in need of anything. You, I don't need, I know now that I don't need, I don't need coffee to get work done, to get up in the morning. I don't need it. I don't need, I don't need to be relying on shows for my own personal leisure or kind of binging or like the addictions that I might have to watching things or, you know, entertainment. Like I can be intentional in cutting things off. And actually this is the, the lesson that I wanted to get is that leaders and people that want to be, they want to be a step above others. And we'll t- I'm going to talk about standards, but they have to kind of have higher standards. And one of those standards means you got to cut certain things off to get to where you want to go. You got to be intentional in getting rid of things. And this is kind of the lesson that we learned about the Prophet is that he wanted something really big. And of course, like he's going to get something really heavy and really burdensome in a, in, a, in, a, in a couple of minutes when I go through the story. But being intentional and cutting things off this Ramadan. And I think, um, you know, that's really important. So I'd love to hear in the chat, you know, um, and nobody's on Zoom. The only one other person is on Zoom with me. Thank you, Zari, for being on Zoom. Uh, but I'd love to hear what are some things that you're thinking about cutting off this month? What are certain things that you've detached from? Of course, we, you know, there's a normal detachment, of course, right? Ramadan, no food, no drink during the day, right? Uh, certain um, definitely kind of uh, spousal relationships are cut off, right? So there's already this detachment. But maybe what, what thing are you going above and beyond and detaching from in this month? That's, a, that's an important thing. Uh, and I'd love to hear from y'all in the, in the group or in the chat. Even if it's after this video, I'd love to hear it. Uh, uh, I think the second thing, uh, okay, good. I, I appreciate it for sure. Netflix, I, I definitely have I've been on Netflix a bit before this. Definitely no Netflix for me, no shows. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still use our TV, I guess, for beneficial things to be shown on it. But, uh, you know, definitely kind of no... Um, you know, no movies, no and sports is a big thing for me. For those that know me, uh, no sports news, no, uh, the, you know, the, the NFL draft just happened as again, some people might know. And I barely, I barely watched any of it and I don't know what happened. Right. I've, you know, I've been off of that, that kind of news. Like when Ramadan came, it's just like, you want to be intentional. Like, you know what? It's always going to be around. And I, and it doesn't mean like you're going to be so different, but it is good to take some time where you're cutting things off. Um, and I appreciate uh, those that are sharing. Uh, um, the other thing uh, here, so the Prophet said him now, he cut things off essentially at the beginning of that. And, and some of the scholars, some of the books of, of history and, and, and the uh, scholars of Sirah, they, they say that the Prophet actually spent the entire month of Ramadan in that seclusion, the entire month until he got that revelation. So the story goes that, of course, that night, it was Laylat al-Qadr, it was one of those last nights of, of, of Ramadan. We don't know which one. We know it was a Monday for sure. Um, and we know that in Jibreel alayhi salam comes to the Prophet at sunset. And Jibreel alayhi salam, of course, we've all heard the story and, the, you know, and, and you should go back and, and listen to the details of it. But Jibreel alayhi salam comes in a, in a form, in a figure, in the cave, in the small cave, of course, nobody could be around the Prophet and he's the only one in there. And all of a sudden he sees a figure and his figure commands him to do something. And of course that commandment is the first revelation of the Quran, Iqra. And the Prophet is so, it's, you, know, you, you know, any one of us in that situation, 
Like if you're in that cave by yourself in the middle of the desert at that time, all the way up a mountain, alone, in the dark, you know that anybody that would have came up, I would have seen them from, you know, miles away. And I know I'm by myself and I've been here for so many days and weeks. And all of a sudden, there's this figure that pops up next to me. And the figure, you know, startles you. And, you know, the Prophet was so truthful. It's interesting how genuine and truthful the Prophet was. Because if somebody were to do that to me and scare the heck out of me, my first words would be, what do you want? Who are you? Right? But this, this, per, you know, this figure stands there next to the Prophet tells him, Iqra. And the Prophet is, you know, the most honest answer that he could say is what he says back. He says, I don't know how to read. I don't know how to recite. I don't, I don't know how to read. Uh, and of course, Iqra can mean reading or reciting. Here, the Prophet said, I don't know how to read. So, and then, of course, Jibreel squeezes the Prophet very tightly and lets him go. And he says, Iqra, again. And then the Prophet does it again. And again, three times this happens, right? Where Jibreel squeezes the Prophet and he lets him go. But the lesson I wanted to take out of this is the Prophet is described the first commandment, the first instruction. So the, the, the life of the Prophet would change for the rest of, I mean, really a, a huge, ad, you know, this is a huge monumental moment for human history. Like Islam, the beginning of Revelation, uh, guidance, the Quran, it's a huge moment. The Prophet said, he would never be the same human ever again, right? His life would be, would be flipped uh, 180 degrees. But the first commandment is Iqra, read or recite. And of course, you know, kind of the reflection here, why, why, is, why is this the first word? And why is this the first commandment? Out of all the commandments, out of all the things that could have been said, to the last leader to lead or bring the message of Allah to humanity. Why is, this, why is this the commandment? Because Iqra is very unique. It's interesting. The, the, there's a saying in the Arabic that says, um, uh, that before you take on initiatives or tasks, before you live up to the billing that's called of you, you've got to be aware. You've got to be knowledgeable. You've got you to learn. You've got to understand things. You've got to have wisdom. You've got to gain insights. That, that, that message is super powerful. That the first thing that Allah tells us, all of us actually, this is the beginning of, so when Ramadan started, this is the beginning of Revelation, why Ramadan is important. Beginning of Quran. You know, these two ikras, right? These two references of ikra. What's beautiful is that the scholars, uh, mostly they, and there's a lot to talk about here, but again, what's most important lesson for us as, as community leaders. They mentioned that there's two, the two ikras are mentioned here, right? There's ikra, bismi rabbika, and the ikra, wa rabbuka al-akra. These two reads or recites, read, learn, uh, they're used to deliver two messages. The first is the knowledge. So uh, obviously this reminds us of the absolute need to be a lifelong learner, right? Leaders are readers, leaders are learners. Those that really bring the biggest changes to humanity are obsessive with learning. And I think if you didn't have this obsession or you didn't have this absolute drive to always learn, uh, you should reflect on this story. That the very, very first commandment that Allah tells the Prophet who would be the, the greatest leader to humanity, as we believe as Muslims, or one of the greatest leaders, even in non-Muslim, you know, kind of 
uh, a discourse, the Prophet is being told to read, to learn. And this obsession with learning needs to be a part of all of our lives, right? This absolute drive to learn. Now, for a Muslim, it's interesting, the two Iqras that I was referring to. The, 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 the literature says that the first Iqra speaks about learning about the divine. So learning about everything about the divine and everything that would come from the divine, right? So this is the learning about Allah, the creator, the universe, angels, revelation, the next life, right? That's a, that's a special kind of knowledge that would only come from Allah, right? Or, or, and, and through prophets, essentially, revelation. But the second Iqra, Iqra wa rabbuka al-akram. The second one, the scholars mentioned, is the obsession or learning of everything in this world, the knowledge of this world. So things about this world, meaning the being obsessed or seeking, yearning, always wanting to learn about the creation of Allah and how this life, learning about things in this life, meaning all of the sciences of this world and knowing and being obsessive about learning that. Now, it's, it's really unique, right? It's a, a, a kind of a, a twist. You know, a lot of times we combine things, especially I know a lot of Islamic discourse, we talk about knowledge and Islamic knowledge and just learning things. But if you think about it this way, how do you learn systematically? How do you learn in a way that's not, you're not just all over the place, but you're learning in a way that is absolutely systematic. And I think as, um, again, as leaders, it's a reminder to us that, knowledge doesn't come haphazardly. Like you can't learn things, you know, and I, and I see this a lot, particularly in our age, right? We're in the, we're in the world, we, we are overloaded with information, but there's such a lack of wisdom in the world. There's such a lack of insight, but there's so much information. There's so much that's bombarding us. So you'll go through your Facebook or you go through your YouTube and there's just like lecture after lecture or, or this or that or this topic or that topic. Or, and, I, and I'm sorry to say a lot of times, even, even Islamic leaders or, you know, scholars or, you know, they're, they're kind of all over the place, right? They're just like, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about here. And I want to talk about there. And really knowledge or learning is not, that's not the way we, it's not the way we learn. It has to be systematic. And, and what I mean, it doesn't mean like you, go, you only need to one subject, you know, that's not the idea of only learning one thing but learning anything in a systematic way, in a way that builds, because knowledge, even the ways, you know, from kind of the, uh, a little bit of the neuroscience of learning, learning is essentially like a web, right? It's pat, it's a, it builds out. So we learn one concept and it grows and it grows and it grows. It's like a web of learning. You can't, you can't just be putting, you know, you don't think of a web as patches or separate things floating around. Learning needs to be systematically done. That's actually the best way that our brains learn is that we, we build concepts on top of concepts. So it's important for the month of Ramadan for you to reflect on your own learning journey. What is it that you want to learn about in this month or just in general? What do you need to learn more systematically? What do you need to more, learn more about more in depth? What do you need to learn about more than just the haphazard things that you know or see? And learning actually comes in many different forms. So a little bit kind of, again, here behind the science of learning. Learning comes in many ways. Information, like there's sources of information. So whether that's we're reading something, listening to something, right? That's a form of learning. And the other one is actually emulating, modeling, 
right? Things around us, people around us, particularly, of course, people around us, the influences of people that we see. So if you just focus on these two types of things, if we learn, if Iqra becomes a part of our life as leaders, how are we focusing on being intentional and systematic in the ways that we bring in information and the ways that we emulate or model others? And this is a super important part of like my own personal development. Like if I am not growing knowledge in a systematic way, then I'm actually not benefiting myself or anybody around me. Of course, with school, it's so easy, right? It's so clear. There's school is systematic. Since the moment that we go into school, it's systematic. It builds on top of one another. There's immense amounts of structure. There's immense amount of like grade levels and patterns and accomplishments and achievements. That's how we're wired. Or, you know, we, we can debate whether that's nature or nurture, but that's just essentially how we're all wired. Now, once you leave school, now there's a disconnect, that there's no more structure there. Well, you as a leader, you have to create that structure. And particularly in the month of Ramadan, so I'll ask, for example, have you created systematic way of learning faith in the month of Ramadan? What I do is I don't listen to all these lectures and you know, I, you know, these 97,000 Facebook lives going on and you know, YouTube, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't do that in Ramadan. I try to actually pick a series of something that I think is really important to me to really dive back into and reconnect with that ideally matches, ideally, that matches to my overall life trajectory. What I want to do in my life, what I want to achieve, what I want to accomplish. And that's what I try to focus on. So I try to focus on something systematically that's going to improve my faith or improve my learning about the, 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 the Islam or the deen. Also, the same way, like in any other part of your life, like if you think about it, um, uh, as a parent, so think of all the dimensions in your life. What are you not learning about enough? Uh, I think about this all the time, um, raising children, community work, organizing, being a community leader. At my job, my own professional development, my own growth, my own career trajectory, uh, my finances. How do I manage my finances? How do I excel financially? My own health, my own spiritual well-being, my own personal growth, my own uh, my own. Uh, um, uh, all of these different facets of your life. Like a lot of times we don't realize each one of them needs systematic learning before doing. And we just dive into things many times. We don't, we, I know we claim we don't have the time, but if we were obsessed with learning, we'd make the time. If we were at another level of seeking and wanting to be of the ummah of Iqra, you know, if you think about it, this, this verse is revealed to a man that doesn't know how to, is unlettered doesn't know how to write, doesn't know how to read. But our tradition is so immersed in the knowledges and the sciences. Our, our, our literature, our civilization, our culture as Muslims is so immersed, it's intertwined with this knowledge. And at times we absolutely neglect it. And so being obsessive in learning is super important. Now, Ramadan is a great time to focus on faith and spirituality and how you want to learn there and systematically grow there, but also to be aware of all the other areas that you need to note. Like, how do you want to learn systematically? By the way, systematically can be you get one book and you focus on it. Like with parenting, what I, I do is I, I get a book. It might take me six months to finish that book, but I'm going to focus on this book. And that's the systematic way. And ideally I'm picking the right person with the right kind of knowledge. And I'm going to, systematically learned about 
uh, raising, uh, uh, you know, two children. Uh, could be the same thing. What we try to do at, at Oak Tree Institute, you know, we, we're very focused on nonprofit organizational development. So we're, we're very focused. So all our content is kind of try to be done systematically with our trainings or our workshops so that people can gradually learn how to become better at their community work or their nonprofit organizational work, right? So we try to provide that system. You have to find sources for that system. Again, information or modeling that is going to help you build out systematically, financially, health-wise, personal development-wise, right? These are the things that you gotta reflect and think about. So taking the time out to make a plan for that. So the second, so the first, uh, remind me the lessons from the beginning of Revelation. Uh, first is the idea of cutting off the noise, detaching and turning down the noise. And the second is the idea of awareness and knowledge seeking and yearning, be, being a lifelong learner. The ideas of understanding that learning is essential to personal growth. And without it, there is no like success, fulfillment, happiness. There's no guidance. There's nothing without learning and being able to understand learning and the types of different learning that needs to happen. Uh, in, the, in the group chat here, um, you mentioned that there's a project through Mass where they're doing uh, intellectual and Sira sessions. Yes, I, I heard about that project. I love it. Any, any programs, I love any programs. Because programs, I feel you, you, build, you leave with something. Like even, again, you know, uh, you know even if it's, even when we're doing this, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to focus not on work we should be doing in the community. Because uh, I, I want this to be focused on our own personal development as community leaders. But even in our community work, it should be, even the programs that we're doing, they should be systematic. They shouldn't be just random, you know, pro, you know, uh, this, uh, again, I don't mean to put anybody down or anything. Everybody's trying their best, but, you know, random, it's tafsir here. Then another tafsir here. Then another surah here. Then another hadith here. Then another, you know, it's really important actually in our time to, you know, specialize, to really be focused on an area when, when you're, you, and create kind of, depth in terms of learning and knowledge. And that's, that's really essential and important. Now, it doesn't mean, specialized means you live in a bubble. You know, a lot of times people go one extreme or the other. That's not what we're saying. Like, you only know this thing. No, personal growth requires having competency and having good health in all of these different areas. If you're financially struggling, you should be learning about financial management. Uh, if you're if you are investing, if you are a business, if you are in, in, uh, if you are in your career development at a company, if you are whatever it might be, each of these requires certain learning and being, again, obsessed with learning, never, never stopping learning. And I think that's really important. The idea here is that leaders are learners. They never stop learning. And that's really essential. All right. The third thing, moving along in our story. So the Prophet ﷺ is given this revelation by, you know, this experience with Jibreel ﷺ. And of course, it's a shocking moment for the Prophet ﷺ, right? It's a moment where, you know, you know it's, it's, it's out of this world. You know, you're, you're seeing something absolutely out of this world. So the Prophet ﷺ, this, this, of course, descends down from the mountain, runs back to his house, runs into the lap of his wife Khadija. And this is a, an interesting kind of reflection and thought that, you know, all of us, you know, it's kind of the reflection on the people around us and the self-care, right? The, the supporters around us. It's really important as, you know, people that are really invested in doing and 
making change and making an impact on the world and creating change in their communities. Like people that are, you know, kind of like they want to achieve more than the average. It's really important that they have a good support system that's really a very good inner working, uh, what we call kind of that core group, that core, uh, the, the, the nucleus around you. Uh, It's essential to every single person that's successful, whether they're Muslim or not. And it shows itself up here in the life of the Prophet The Prophet had such immense supporters around him, such a backbone for him, even though he was the strongest, but he had an amazing backbone. He had an amazing nucleus of support. The Khadijah, the Prophet comes in, he's shivering, he's shaking, he's tremendously scared. He runs into her lap. He's absolutely terrified, you know, shaking from head to toe. And Khadija, you know, automatically, again, that's why you have to have good, good nucleus around you, good supporters around you. It's because they will aid your growth in good times and bad. And so Khadija, at that moment, she knew what the best advice was, right? And of course, there's a reflection here on the spousal, she's an amazing spouse, an amazing lover, an amazing partner, an amazing friend, you know, all of those things. But from, from, from the side of like just being an anchor and a backbone, it's such an essential part of, even for the Prophet even for Prophet Muhammad it's such an essential part of what makes him continue to go, to move forward. And so having that is, is really crucial. It can come in many different forms. It can come in a spouse form, inshallah for many of us. It can come in a dear mentor, a dear friend, a dear coach, a dear colleague. It can come in many different forms. The Prophet had an uncle that was his father figure that would be another important part of his nucleus, right? So it can come in many different ways, but finding that, having that, seeking that is really essential. Now, what does she do? What she does is she tells us a little bit about, there's many things to reflect here, but the, the lesson that I wanted to get across is the standards that the, at which the Prophet was operating. You know, there's, I think in Ramadan, it's a reminder that, there are levels to standards. There's many different levels. And when, you're, when you take on the mantle, the responsibility of leadership, that there's a higher level of a standard that you should be adopting. And of course, we call this group servant leaders, uh, our Facebook group, because you know, at the height of it, leadership is about serving others at the highest level. But that requires being at a certain standard. Now, the standard here that I want to highlight is the standard of character standard of who you are, what you embody, who, who are you authentically to yourself and others? Okay. That's standard. And this standard is very, very high. And as you move up the leadership ladder, if you will, it should be very, very high. It should be, of course, it doesn't always happen. Not, you know, different sectors and different worlds and different industries and different hierarchies. They have, you know, they just apply differently. But what we learn through the, the, the sunnah, the, 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 the teachings of Prophet Muhammad is having this high standard. So the Prophet before his, he's a prophet, before he's a prophet, what kind of human is he? So Khadija, she highlights what kind of human, what standard of living that he was at before he was a prophet. So she said, of course, we all know the story, not going too much in detail, but she tells him, Ya Rasulullah, are you, are you, why are you worried? Allah would never disgrace you. He'd never harm you. Why? Because you live, you have a certain standard. You're at a certain ethical level that really, like, you shouldn't worry. Allah is pleased with you. Allah is happy with you. And this is, of course, kind of like the basics. Like, a lot of times you get caught up with, like, what is Islam? 
It's just really having this high standard of the way we live, the impact, the character that we have, who we are. So she says, you are great to your family. You connect with your family. You're great to your family. You help the weak. You help the needy. You help those in despair. You help those in need. You help the, you're always in the care of others. You're always serving. So you don't need to be worried. You don't need to be afraid. And this is very, very powerful. Like if you think about this high level, this high expectation that we should be at as community leaders, right? So if, you, if you're going to tell me like, you know, should we memorize the Quran as community leaders? You know, a lot of times you get into this, right? If I'm a youth volunteer, I'm a youth director, do I need to be a hafiz of Quran? I would say no. Do I need to memorize and take every class in this or sit with this sheikh for this amount? You know, we start to make flaws of what actual leadership is. So again, highlighting this word of leadership, serving others. Well, at the core of serving others is who you are to others, your character to others. And if your character is strong and solid and you have a high standard of character, then you qualify to be at that level of leadership. We're at a higher level level leadership. It's not just about the things that you know. It's about who you are, that high standard, right? That high character, that high um, habits that you have, that high uh, level of who you are. It's very, very important. So if nothing else that you focus on that and look at the Prophet, he wasn't a prophet. He was just a normal person. But Khadija is highlighting this as uh, this important semblance, symbol that he was. Now, Allah would also do this as well. The, the next verses, so the, the Prophet said, the next verse, that, the, the next surah that would come down is, Ya So the next time, from some scholars they mentioned, after that experience, the Prophet didn't see Jibreel for a while. And he was actually sad and he wanted revelation to come down. And some scholars, they mentioned different periods of time, but the kind of the most mentioned, it was several months, three to six months, where revelation stopped. So he didn't hear from Jibreel, he didn't hear Quran anymore until finally Jibreel would come again and the Prophet would get scared again. And then this time Jibreel would tell the Prophet So, oh, you are covered up. He was covered again, shaking. And Jibreel told him, oh, you are covered, stand. At that moment, actually, the Prophet became a prophet. He was a Nabi with, with Iqra and he became a Rasul with right? Stand up and take the mantle. Stand up and proclaim. Stand up and take action. Call the people to guidance. Call the people to good. Warn the people. This, this surah, it's interesting that the, the, the surah had, talks about this. So this taking on this mantle of leadership for the Prophet but also right after it is so these verses, they all came down. It wasn't just kumfa'antar. It was, now that you're going to take this mantle, now you're going to be this, you know, you're going to take the responsibility of helping and serving and warning others. There's conditions that come with it. Again, they actually have to do with a high standard of character. So Allah says, فكبر, Of course, this idea of praising and being connected to your Lord. And then this kind of weird thing, like, you know, like clean your clothes, purify your clothes. And it's such a weird thing. Like, why would that be, why would that be an important thing? Why would Allah, this is the second revelation to come down. 
why is cleaning your clothes? Why is throwing my clothes in a laundromat, you know, or, you know, sending a drag? Why is that important? It's actually, a, uh, so there's many definitions. You know, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get into the thick or the meaning. I'm trying to extract what I think are the most important lesson. I think the most important lesson is, first of all, appearance is such a powerful thing. Impressions that we make on others, is such a powerful thing. And really that first impression is what we're wearing, this garment that's on out. You know, what's out here? right? How we look and what's out here. First impressions are very, very powerful. Uh, as a matter of fact, much of research tells us that we, for example, in a leadership perspective, that we measure people's competency, how good or, you know, how competent they are. We measure it in the first 10 seconds of seeing them. So that first appearance has a profound impact on people, particularly when it comes to when you're a leader, when you're in front of people, when you're responsible to people, when you're an organizer, when you're working with others, when you're, when you're in the fray, right? So what Thiyabak of Atahir really essentially saying, this high standard of the way even your appearance should be. Like for, for you, it should be a high standard of even the appearance. Like even the way you are perceived by others needs to be at a high standard. Right, and of course, there's many kind of spiritual lessons and, and this and that and the other. But to me, right, with the abak of Fatahir essentially is that first appearance. Make sure that your character, even a part of your character, is the way people perceive you. Make sure that's a high level, high caliber. Uh, of course, and there's many other things here uh, that Elijah talks about. But the the one that I want to highlight, the other one in these very first, this next surah that comes down is. So Allah also referring to character here, high character. Again, this is the second revelation to come down, the second commandments to come down. After knowledge is this essence of, you know, putting in the work, but with a high character. Uh, Allah says, Don't be of those that are always telling people the service that they've done for them. So really, leadership at its epitome is serving others selflessly. And selfish leadership are people that are always telling others what they've done for them. Like, you know, I've, oh, I've done this for you. I've done that for you. This is how I've done. You know, I've, 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 remember when I did this for you? Remember when I helped you? Remember when I, you know, this constant, this obsession with always telling people that what you've always done for them? This is tamnun, when you're always telling other people. So Allah tells the Prophet, Don't be of those people that are always being so selfish and telling others what they've done for others. And don't be of those that are always selfish in greed and wanting more. And here meaning like materialistic more. Like they're obsessed with seeing what somebody else has and wanting more than them. Or being obsessed with like kind of this envy and jealousy and this obsession with wanting more and more and being greedy. Selflessness, kind of highlighting both of those, is being altruistic, being selfless, having this high level. This the leadership character the Prophet needs to be at is a level where he's absolutely selfless. Like you cannot accomplish and be at the heights of where you want to be as a leader if you're not embodying the selflessness. And so every time, every moment that your character gets embellished by a moment of jealousy or a moment where you're, you're telling others what you're doing for them, you're losing out on this high standard that you should be at ethically and with your character. And that's really reflected here, the Prophet being told that. So really this high, this third lesson is high standard of character. 
you want to be an amazing leader, particularly a community leader, particularly somebody that's serving people, you've got to be at a different level of character. The last thing, lesson chalked out for us today, and I want to close with this because, again, I think it's really relevant to the month of Ramadan, is this power that you get, this energy that you get from this third, this next revelation that would come to the Prophet in the story, right, is that the next thing that would be told to the Prophet is, Ya ayyuhal muzammil qumil layla illa qalila. Allah tells the Prophet the community leadership, this mantle, this responsibility in serving and working in your community, working in your society, working for the sake of others, is the power of Qiyam. The absolute standard that is without a doubt the obligation for leadership. Now the Prophet was not told, pray, Actually, all of those first Muslim leaders, they were told to pray half the night, a little bit more or a little bit less. That was the obligation. There was no five daily prayers. There's none of that. It was just pray at night. By the way, so just kind of reflecting on this, right? The connection, this is the school for leaders, which is Qiyam, that night prayer. That night, the Prophet wouldn't be secluded. Going back to that first point of seclusion, the Prophet would never go to Kiv Herat to be isolated. But he would pray by himself every single night the rest of his life every single night that was his form of seclusion that was his form of reconnecting that was his form of repurpose and that's why qiyam right this this uh prayer at night that's the ultimate spiritual growth and jibreel he says something powerful he says that the honor and dignity of a believer comes from their standing at night and the, uh, you know, that kind of this obligation for all of those early Muslim leaders, all of them became tremendous leaders. From that moment on, they all stayed and prayed half the night. By the way, something amazing about them. They only had, what, a dozen, two dozen, three dozen verses of Quran. Like the Prophet was praying half the night. And Allah told him to like recite it out beautifully and say it with nice pronunciation. He would only have what? Um, so he would have Iqra. He would have Surah Al-Duha. At that time, he only had very, very few verses. Meaning it's not about the quantity. It's not about how much you know. It's not about just saying it. It's really about taking the time to stand, be there, and gain that power. You know what's amazing about Ramadan? As community leaders, I think we can all realize this. We pray, inshallah, we, we kind of establish this Qiyam. And we have so much power. It's like this uh, battery recharge that we get that really, you know, we, we should be having throughout the whole year. The Prophet prayed it and all of the Muslims prayed it. As a matter of fact, there was an obligation on them to pray for many, many years until Allah told them, okay, then it's kind of voluntary. And of course, then five daily prayers came. But even throughout their life, they had to pray it. In Ramadan, of course, we do this. We get back in our flow of Qiyam. And we should have this Qiyam established. And by the way, Qiyam, even for the Prophet and the Muslims, was always in court, not quarantine, but in isolation, right? They didn't have tarawih that they had to run to after iftar. They didn't, for, for the life of the Prophet they only did it alone at home with themselves, right? Except a few days. So even Ramadan, it's, it's really important to take advantage of that, the Ramadan, that we reestablish with this. 
But what the, the but the the, one, the main thing I want to take out of Qiyam here, but in the next couple the few minutes that we have, is that Qiyam is a place that we come to Allah with all our problems during the day. And really, Qiyam is sourced in Dua. And I'm going to talk about Dua, inshallah, in one of our other sessions. But Qiyam is so sourced in Dua that the last third of the night, you know, we, you know, we get, as community leaders, we, we make this mistake. Like we think, you know, I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm, I'm following up. I'm talking nicely. I took Oak Tree's trainings and workshops. I'm, uh, I'm doing, you know, I've got good character. I'm trying so hard. And we don't realize that the energy comes from this important place where you go to Allah every night and you beg him to help you. You plead with him. You ask him, right? Of course, you know, we know that at the third, this particular part of the night that we, we stand and pray, that Allah comes down and he says, Hal min Hal min Is there anybody that needs help? And it's not like we go running and saying, yeah, Allah, you know, this organization that I have, these youth that I have, these people that I have, my board, uh, the old people in my community, the people that I'm serving, these needy, like we're not going and asking for that help. And that's not a part of the school of Qiyam that we have. Right? It's not a part of the rituals that we have. And really it's one of the biggest flaws. And I think it's one of the most important things to go back to in the month of Ramadan. Your community work is not about you. It's not about how nice you are, how many uh, degrees we have, how many workshops we've taken, how many... It's really going, the essence of it is going back to this standing in front of Allah and asking him for help and support. And Ramadan is a great time to reconnect with that. It was an obligation on the greatest leader ever. And it should be an, an even more of an obligation on us because we're, we're so much more in need of it than him uh, and those early Muslim leaders. But it, it's an important reminder for us to seek out that source of going to Qiyam. So, these are some of the lessons of this life and this moments of the life of the Prophet ﷺ that I feel were so important. Uh, the, the lesson of cutting off the noise, the lesson of our own learning journey and always making it a part of our life, the lesson of having a high, high standard for our character and our ethics, and number four, reestablishing this strong connection, the strongest, one of the strongest connections that is standing in prayer at night with Allah Azza to ask him for the support and help that we need during the day for the work, the efforts, the struggles, the problems, the worries, the stress that we have in our life, that we use him as our source of energy and power, particularly with standing at night. And I hope, inshallah ta'ala, that uh, we can do that in the month of Ramadan. I'll, I'll, uh, in the last few minutes, I just want to know if there's any thoughts or comments or I hope that this was uh, a beneficial reflection for all of you. Uh, I know all of us are experiencing and going through Ramadan in many different ways. They're doing many different things, but uh, reestablishing with uh, this kind of this core, this source, this purpose uh, of why we're serving and how we're serving. And Shatan, I hope and pray that we, we get these lessons from the legacy of the, our beloved Muhammad وسلم, and we can uh, use them to benefit others in Shatan. On Thursday, every Thursday, starting this Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, we'll have Brother Tariq going over more tactical, personal development strategies, how to find balance in the life of a community leader. And Shatahad, he's going to go through very tactical strategies in implementing this Ramadan, how we can 
have our personal growth, how we what things that we can focus on for our own personal growth and balancing all the things that are going on in our life. We call it balanced leadership. Do attend Chatada. It'll be exclusively in this group. Please do invite other uh, community leaders, volunteers, staff, people dedicated to organizational work, nonprofit work in the community. We want you to invite them so they can benefit uh, from all of these kind of sessions and articles and things that we'll be doing in this group in Chatada. Uh, with that being said, I really appreciate everybody. May Allah bless all of you. May Allah allow this Ramadan to be a Ramadan where we grow closer to Him, where we become lifelong learners where we learn to cut off the, the noise and be more aware of ourselves and we can learn to reconnect with him at a strong spiritual level. Barakallahu Wassalamu alaikum rahmatullah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Oakshi Institute podcast. Please remember to join our Facebook group called Servant Leaders. The link and information to join the group will be in the show notes. We'll see you there. Assalamu alaikum.